Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, Episode 198. Are you an Infusionsoft user dealing with a mess of Confusionsoft? Are you ready to use your app to make lots of money every month rather than just spend lots of money? Well, I have a solution for you. Head on over to KimFusionsoft.com to find out more about my strategy program, which can help you take your business to the next level using your Infusionsoft app. Again, that's KimFusionsoft.com. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and I'm so thrilled that you're here to join us today. I'm also thrilled to introduce our guest, Jane Gwynn. Jane is the queen of happy endings at Grown Up Love. Jane, welcome. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you so much. So happy to be here with you, Kim. Now, I am intrigued right off the bat because listeners, Every guest who comes on, whether or not I knew them from before, and I, Jane and I met several months ago, I can't believe it was that long ago already. Every guest fills out a guest profile form just to help me make it a little bit easier for myself. Jane, you started your journey as an entrepreneur at the, as a chief swine officer at Piggy Plan. That's such a crazy I, title. I know. Well, I had this small import business where I I uh, contracted with people in the Philippines to make paper mache piggy banks. And my company was Piggy Plan, and I would sell those piggy banks to schools, nonprofits, and churches so they could use them in their fundraising. And I called myself the, the chief swine officer. Yep, I was the pig lady. Oh, my goodness. So how did everything transition after that? Because it's definitely a big transition from that role to what you do today. Can you share more about your journey and also what you do today with the listeners? You bet. Well, um, yeah, you know what happened was my life at the time I had Piggy Plan was really very focused on my kids. And actually, it still is in many ways. I've got a big family. We've got six kids. And three of our kids are adopted. Three came to us in the traditional way. But I was I was really in this super mom role at that time, uh, Kim. And I... Um, and my business, my picky plan business was a reflection of that. And, and I liked it, but it wasn't really addressing my passion area. And um, yeah, I really fell into such a an experience of being completely a mom. And even in my business, a mom, even in picky plan, a mom, in fact, you know, maybe be surprised to know that I was one of those moms who wore the floral purple um, Hannah Anderson matching dress with my daughter's little beautiful purple dresses to a family wedding. I was that mom. I cannot picture that at all. There's a picture. There's a photo somewhere in my garage. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there is a picture. Uh, My brother-in-law gave me so much crap about it. He was just like, what are you doing in that like prairie woman dress? And and at the time, it really reflected who I was because I'd completely forgotten who I was as a sexual person, which actually ended up almost costing me my marriage really, really tough because, you know, 
I became so connected to my business, my focusing on the kids through my business and in my parenting that I really lost track of that, like that, that woman that I'd been when we first met Jim and I've been married like over 30 years now. And I, I, I'd really forgotten about that part of myself. Well, congratulations on that. Number one, that's, that's a huge accomplishment, especially today. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Listeners, I forgot to say, and and I know that I listen to podcasts sometimes with some of my kids in the car at home. This episode may not be totally suitable for listening ears, but that is totally up to you. I know I allow my older kids to listen to just about anything because they'll learn it somewhere if they don't learn it from me. But I do just want to give you that disclaimer. So jump us forward a little bit. How did everything begin to change? Well, as I mentioned, I was in this super mom role. And one of the things that was happening in my life is the more I got really connected to like all of the nuts and bolts of the days with my kids, I kind of also became pretty isolated. I had my business, ran it out of my home. I had like boxes and boxes of these paper mache pigs in the basement. And I was stressed about that. I was also stressed about a lot of things that were going on with my kids. You know, I was running in from one super activity to another super activity, uh, constantly on the go. And I got really kind of burned out and annoyed. And I spent a lot of time complaining when I talked to my husband. And, you know, it affected our marriage. And um, it, it turned out that there was another woman in his life who actually was really not in such a negative headspace. And she was a lot more pleasant and positive. Here I was uh, annoyed, irritable. And it's not that we, he and I fought a bunch, but we just kind of, there was this shift and somehow he did not have an affair with this woman, what we would call an affair, which is a just wonderful and actually points out what a high integrity person he is. But I got to say, they became close and it's, I'm, I'm just, I'm grateful they didn't actually have what we would call an affair. But I, when I realized that this other relationship had become warmer than, you know, really what was going on between us, that actually gave me, uh, it was a wake up call to, to take back myself as a woman and not just as a mom so I, um, I really, really looked at that and, and started a journey to, into myself to discover what had happened to like this, this woman who was madly in love with her husband, what had happened to me, that me that I knew for so long. Wow. And I can hear a lot of people also saying, wow, Jane, I've been married twice in the, the first marriage. Listeners, if your kid's like if, if you're a young kid listening to your parent or listening with your parents, I don't know what Jane would think, but I would have to advise not marrying a high school sweetheart. There's a whole world out there waiting for you to discover. But I married my high school sweetheart and it was just, it was not meant to be for us. And with my husband, I mean, we've had three, we had three kids in 16 months, just a couple of years ago. And I can't imagine, I can't. I can't imagine my husband having another woman friend who was warmer than me. Like, and so bravo to your husband, like you already said, bravo to him for not doing anything that would be regrettable later. But I, 
I yeah. Can't, I mean, I can't imagine, I can't imagine ever straying on my husband, but I can imagine that it would be very difficult if he was always a downer to just have that warm and pleasant relationship with him and, and not think about the grass being greener somewhere else. So you realize that changes needed to be made. Yeah. How, right. It, yeah. What type of journey was that? Well, um, the thing that was really interesting about it is that we had started out as just this absolutely passionate couple. So, you know, one of the things that I remember, you know, we met in a hospital and I was a student nurse wearing the little white socks, the tights and the white, really white shoes. And this is back in the day when nurses wore those little kind of traditional nursing uniforms. I even had a hat I used to wear sometimes. <laughs> I'm just picturing, you know, the Halloween store. We've, we've just passed Halloween listeners and I'm just thinking the Halloween store. That's like the classic old school nurse's uniform is right there. And you know that it's just meant to turn some guy on. You bet. Mm -hmm. And he was the, he was the handsome young intern. And, um, so we had this like very, uh, oh, I, I don't know, just incredibly like strong draw toward each other. And I remember this one experience where, uh, fortunately the, the hospital janitor did not open the door in this one room where we found each other. I mean, it was a very exciting relationship from the beginning, and it continued to be. So it was very unusual for us to find ourselves kind of disconnected in this way. It was not like us. It's not like we'd started off more friends. I mean, we started off as really passionate lovers as a couple. The beginning of our relationship had been really, really electric. So when I realized I'd become the woman who wore the purple dress to a family wedding, and I saw how how this had affected my connection with him, I started reading. And I got to say, Kim, my library at that time was packed with books about kids. I, I was an expert on child development, you know, discipline. I had book after book about how to make a fantastic um, Halloween costume or fun things, crafts, all sorts of things like that, that I was very proud of my mothering uh, abilities and really engaged with that and with parent ed. And, you know, I'm not saying these are bad things because these are a big part of who I was and still am. But it was, there was nothing, not one piece on my bookshelf. And I had many, many, many books at that time. There was nothing in there about my marriage, nothing about relationship nothing about sex, absolutely nothing, unless it was sex and talking about sex to kids. So like how to talk to your kids about sex when they're, you know, whatever age, you know, some book about that. I had that, but I had nothing else. So I went on this, um, I kind of started looking at that and started reading and reading and reading and reading and reading. And I learned a ton about like what, what was out there, what people had said, and I, I decided I wanted to work in that field because I felt like there were so many women like, like me out there. And it was so challenging for most of us to balance being a mom, being a business owner, and still being, having enough energy 
and connection and, you know, I guess in a way openness, energetic openness or time frame openness to really be, be in love, you know, be connected and be passionately in love with uh, our partner. I'm over here thinking about the event. Listeners, you've heard previous guests and I talk about the new media summit, which is where Jane and I met. Jane, I don't think I've, I've maybe discuss this on the show briefly in one of my solo episodes, but, and this is so embarrassing, but getting ready for new media summit, which was the first time I had left my family since my twins were born and they're going to be three in just a couple of months. I realized I had a problem and that problem <laughs> as embarrassing as this sounds, I had a neglected undergarments for years because of the kids. Like it's one of the least favorite things for me to shop for. I, I just don't like shopping, period. But when I heard about the service and no listeners, this is not sponsored by, however, maybe I should get a sponsorship from adoreme.com. <laughs> it became a date night for my husband and I. And we had the website open. I was like, what would you like? And his his eyes just lit up. He's like, really? <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. I love that. I was like, I didn't realize how excited this would make you like, yeah, I should have done this a long time ago, but those things like wearing the same dress as your daughter, or in my case, I was still wearing underwear that I'd gotten after the twins were born. I mean, quite literally nursing bras and I hadn't nursed in two years, but they were what fit my boobs. <laughs> just being totally transparent here, but it yep. was, it had become just a blah. And so as these monthly, it's, it's a monthly subscription every month, you get to pick out a new set. He actually told me this is better than Loot Crate. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Loot Crate, but it's for, it's for video gamers. And it's like, all the. he's like, this yep. is better than Loot Crate, babe. You can keep this as long as you want. <laughs> yeah. <That's great. laughs> but, and it even made me start feeling better. Like I could sit a little bit taller. I mean, I'm, I'm wearing a hot bra and panties today you know yeah I didn't realize that that little bit of splurge on me would be such an improvement for both of us I know listeners are sort of uh, yeah. lingerie men yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah right absolutely because it it matters and really that is my main message when I work with um, my clients um, is actually uh, connection, sexuality, intimacy, this stuff matters. And it's really our responsibility as individuals. So it's on me personally to create in myself the sense of sexuality, um, eroticism, if you will, what and to know myself as a person, a sexual person, as I go through my everyday life. And I think, Kim, that when we do that, it it expands. It creates an ability for us to be more um, more of what we're meant to be. And I don't mean like that we're going to go out, um, I call it leaking erotic energy, you know, like on other people, but it just allows us to be more expansively who we actually authentically are. And people like, hey, she looks... She's got such a grin or look at that sparkle I and mean, they see you walking with your husband. He knows he's, you've got that really hot red set on underneath your outfit. And, you know, 
there's a there's a different look that he's got then and people know that you know these people they are into each other they love each other that's fantastic modeling for our kids in my opinion the best gift we can give our kids i can hear the people who are on the uh, security cameras at the grocery every time they see us coming together which is not very often usually it's just running one of us <laughs> running to the store when the other one's at home with the kids but if it was if it were the same person every time on they're like oh boy because i have to watch where my husband is if he's, if he's walking behind me he's either watching <laughs> my butt or he's trying to figure out how he can slap it without anybody seeing <laughs> I love that. That's amazing. And that is so good. But you know what? We women don't typically talk about that, in my opinion, in my experience. Like we don't really talk about it when we have something great going on in the bedroom. We don't like say it to each other. In a lot of ways, I don't know how you've experienced this, Kim, but I think a lot of us talk about how we don't have an interest in sex and, oh, my husband, he's always, you know, wanting me wanting it and you know he doesn't you know, he doesn't want it, me he wants it we don't we don't actually encourage each other to figure out how to make it better for us you know i'm not talking about being somebody who's into duty sex i am not into that at all i'm talking about creating a way to get what you personally want and that takes some knowingness and looking back at what your life's been like up until now and what it's going on today almost as if it were like a health plan, you know, or like uh, a shift in your diet and exercise um, specifically or creating a, a practice of um, yoga. It's the same kind of thing where we think about like, how, what have I been, how am I socialized around this? How did I get here? Okay. How did I get to this place I am today? And like, do I like it? Is it working for me? And maybe it's not working for me. And so then like, what do I want it to be like? I want to have this passionate, wonderful, erotic, amazing, loving relationship with my husband for the next 30 years. And how do I make that happen if I'm not actually attending to it? Because like what we put our attention on is what we end oh, up absolutely. growing, right? I'm What we have both noticed, because my husband was married twice before me, is that communication is the key. We can talk about anything and we do talk about anything and everything. And that includes sex, like whether we like something or whether we don't like something, but it all has, to, in my opinion, it has to start outside of the bedroom because if you can't have that open line of communication and express when you're not happy about something in everyday life, like non-sexual life, then how are you possibly going to say what you want or don't want or what you like or don't like when you're in the heat of the moment? Yeah, I totally agree. And I would even step back one step before that. And that is uh, to a place of actually deep knowing of yourself. Because sometimes, you know, if we don't really tune into that, to what, what it is that we actually want, then maybe we just get like... Um, well, I don't like what it is. It's not right right now. Or I haven't, you know, it just isn't, it, it's not, it's just too vague. Our, our requests are vague because we haven't done our own inner work around it. And we haven't really tuned into what it is that we, we kind of like fantasize about, or, you know, maybe we're, I mean, frankly, some of the stuff is, can be kind of embarrassing. It's certainly very funny. A lot of the time 
if we let it be fun and playful. But, you know, maybe you, you have an erotic fantasy that is embarrassing to share and but you would, you'd really like to share it. And so figuring your, that out and being honest with yourself about what, what you'd like to share, what you'd like to talk about, whether you would ever participate in the fantasy in real life, just talking erotically with your partner can be really a fantastic, fun thing to do and something that really makes both people have a great time. So there's a lot that of inner work that we can do to make it even better than, than it is right now. If it's fantastic, it can always get better. It can always get better. That's my opinion. Yeah, I didn't realize that, but it just seems that that's, we surprise ourselves. I know this is a completely different uh, episode than you're used to listeners, but around here, it's always surprising that it continues to get better, even though we've been together for seven years. Awesome. I love that. Do you find that when you have great sessions in the bedroom with your husband, that your productivity in other areas increases? I've never thought about that. But I'll tell you, when when it's desired on either side, when there's a need for it, productivity definitely decreases. You know, when if I'm sitting yeah. at my desk thinking, right. you know, I want some. Yeah, that it's hard to be productive mm-hmm. when I'm like, okay let's get it on, you know, (laughs) but yeah, no, but I've never thought about it the other way around. But now that I've said the opposite to you, I would have to say yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cause then you have that, it decreases your stress when you have great sex, great connection, um, increases your sense of being known, appreciated, understood. All of a sudden things just are some things that may have caused a lot of anxiety, uh, just kind of settle down a little bit. And studies actually uh, indicate this. I, I don't know if you and I talked about this, but I have a PhD in human sexuality. So what ended up happening is I started out as Molly mom in the purple dress and the pig lady, this, this chief swine officer. And then I went on this journey, international journey, really, to learn about sex in some of the sexiest places in the world and eventually got a PhD in human sexuality. And then uh, and during that, I, I studied all the psychological literature about what how sex affects relationships. And one of the things I found out is that when we have sex problems, it really drops down the relationship satisfaction by like 75%. Oh, that is amazing. And um, isn't that amazing? Yeah. Yeah. And but when we when we have a great sex uh, life, it increases our relationship satisfaction, but not by 75%. It just pulls us up like 10 to 15%. So, but that is enough to lift us up. And it makes many of the problems that we might be having, maybe arguments about money, kids, in-laws, work, schedule, whatever, those things become less um, concerning, less upsetting, and they have less impact. So when you fix the sex problem in your relationship, you can actually fix some of the other pieces at the same time without specifically addressing them, which I find really fascinating. I want to go back to what you were saying earlier about, you know, really knowing what you want and having the communication with yourself. First off, when I was Right at the end of my marriage with my ex-husband, I watched the bucket list and I was inspired to create a soulmate spec sheet because at that point I decided I would rather be single for the rest of my life 
than to ever be in a bad relationship again. So this list, and I actually just found it the other day. I didn't realize it was in my journal. It tucked into a folder in the back, but the list is 57. I think I've been telling you listeners that it's 62 items long, but it was 57 items long. And I listed everything that I wanted out of a mate. And no joke, two weeks later, three weeks later, maybe, I was looking for furniture for my new apartment and I saw the men looking for women section on Craigslist. I only clicked the link because I wanted to see what, I'm just going to say it, what assholes were on there looking for women. But there he was, my husband, and he had written out like his whole wish list. He had the longest post up there of anybody, but I'm reading it and I'm like blown away. Because all of a sudden I can see the parallels. It's like this guy just got a hold of my soulmate spec sheet and he's just copied it from the male's perspective. Here's what I'll do. Here's what I'll do. (laughs) I mean, I even had on my list, I wanted somebody who would paint my toenails. And right there in his his ad, he's like, oh, and I I paint nails. I was raised by, I had three women in my house growing up and they taught me. And it's just... I like to treat the lady I'm with and I'll paint your nails. And that's just wow. one, of the, you know, one of the many things that was in there. So don't be afraid, listeners, to if you're single, don't be afraid that anybody's going to find that sheet. But whether it be on your phone or in your journal or anywhere, get real with yourself on exactly what you're looking for because he is out there. I, earlier, Jane, you mentioned magic or electric by that point, I was convinced that there was no such thing. Like I would watch Sleepless in Seattle and hear them say, it was like magic. And I would just roll my eyes. I'm like, there's no such thing. Who are you kidding? But then I found it. It's out there, listeners. If you're single, it's out there. Just keep your eyes open. Absolutely. Absolutely. I completely agree with you, Kim. And that sense of knowing what you want and really settling into that and being open to it and and, and also taking responsibility for the knowingness and for the releasing of whatever is in your way. What we need to do is be willing to receive the pleasure and um, the beautiful connection with another person. And sometimes there's stuff there that you know, we don't feel worthy of receiving or we're frightened to receive. Uh, we've been put down in the past when we've asked for something, when we've not, uh, or we've asked for something and it hasn't been what we wanted. So we're afraid to ask again. So be willing and open to receive what what is really in your 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 true desire, that part of yourself that really desires full connection and intimacy and, and in all parts of your life, but also in your sexual life. I mean, this is part of our birthright. And I think sometimes we forget that, Kim. Oh, I agree. I mean, I'm thinking of right now about the parallels between sex life and entrepreneurial life. Many of us just don't have the confidence to think, oh, I can go out there and get this big five figure contract or more because I'm not worthy of it, or I'm just not skilled. And I mean, just like I thought that electric and magic didn't exist. I went for a while. uh, Oh, I hope his new wife isn't listening. I went for a while or forever in my old marriage thinking that orgasms with a male didn't exist. Like I I just, Mm -hmm. 
I was like, I thought they were fiction, but yeah. they they are. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Because you, because when we we have really we have limiting beliefs about sex, and that's not our fault. One of the reasons is we've been lied to about sex by Hollywood, uh, the culture around us, maybe our families, maybe just the the situation we grew up in. Mm-hmm. Or could be a previous partner's um, the way our life worked uh, up until now. What's happened to us? Many of us have had sexual harassment or assault uh, experiences, and some of these things have really shut us down and kept us from asking for what we really deserve now. Because you know what? That's the past, and while it's really painful when we've had really difficult things happen to us, or maybe it's not even us, Kim, it's maybe like a sister or a daughter or a friend who's had something difficult happen sexually. And we kind of take that on as well. So when we take on a lot of these things from society, from maybe from Hollywood, maybe from the media, maybe from other parts of our upbringing, um, these things kind of get in the way of what we actually want because we believe the myth that either it has to be completely simple the way it looks in Hollywood, right? The notebook, if you've ever watched that great scene where Allie and Noah go up the stairs and have this incredibly, (laughs) we all expect that. And okay, if it's not that, we think, well, you know, all guys are horrible. They all uh, abuse the women and there's never a good situation. So why was I even ever wanting anything. There's so many horrible things out there that have happened to so many people. And, um, to me, maybe in all of these things about my life, I'm not, I'm going to give up. I'm going to give up on sex and having a great sex life. It's, it's a fairy tale. Like you said, Kim, it's, you know, I don't believe it. It's the, it's a magic that doesn't exist, but I push back on that and say that it actually does exist. It's just that we haven't ever been taught how to get it, you know, how to really negotiate for what, what's in what, for something that's fantastic for us. Like, you know, wow, when I know what I want and I can actually claim it and show up that way, uh, it's, it can be so beautiful. And I've actually created a seven step simple process for doing that because it's not, it's not as hard as it looks when we just deconstruct it and start to realize that this is a problem we can solve like lots of other problems. And then we get to figure out like, oh my gosh, I'm we're together and it's no longer a problem. It's fantastic. It's like an incredibly enjoyable, fun part of life. I want to circle back around to your seven step process in just a moment, but you wrote too busy to get busy, which is such a great title. Can you share more about your book with the listeners? You bet. So, um, you know, I started my, before I was the pig lady and the, the chief swine officer, I was actually, uh, and I think I mentioned this because I was wearing the little white nursing outfit. I, I started out as a nurse. So, um, and I was a UCLA trained nurse, so I was well-trained and I, um, I thought about life in a, in a kind of practical manner because that's the way nurses are. You know, we, we take care of people and we look at the whole person. We're not just looking at one part of the the body or one part of the, you know, the psyche, we look at the whole person. And um, I had faced this issue in my relationship where I had become that too busy mom. 
And so I knew there were a lot of people out there and, and many of my friends were in that, that role, I guess I'd call it that life of too busy, so tired, you know, overworked and certainly not feeling sexy and not feeling, um, you know, erotically charged or interested in sex for a lot of really good reasons, actually. And, and usually they'd say they were too busy or too tired. But when I um, dug into it a little more in conversations with friends and other people, what I found is it's not actually that people are too busy. I mean, we say we're too busy, but because um, sex doesn't usually take that long. Uh, sometimes, you know, you can stretch it out, have a fantastic four-hour deal in the afternoon and, you know, make it a really long session. But for most of us, it's a fairly brief experience. Maybe, I don't know, and let's call it 20 minutes. Let's call it half an hour. Let's call it 10 minutes. The study, the studies show it's more like five or six minutes, but we'll, you know, we'll make it a bigger time frame, just for the sake of conversation. But let's say, let's say half hour. Uh, what really people are running into is not a problem with timing. It's a problem with getting to a place where both people understand each other well enough. And a lot of the other things have been talked about, the things that need to be talked about in order to actually want to have sex. That can take a long time, right? That can take a long time to get to where you're open to having sex because actually you're really irritated about what happened last week or you're annoyed about something that happened in the checkbook or you're worried about, you know, the quarterlies or whatever. There's, you know, fill in the blank, whatever it is. Your kid just, you know, you found out your kid's using drugs or something happened with a boyfriend. And, uh, your daughter's boyfriend has been over and you're concerned about that. Or there's so many other things that get in the way of actually being together. And that is the too busy thing is that we're too busy being upset with each other or with life to actually make time for sex in our relationship. Wow. I never really thought about it that way. However, I, I you didn't bring this up, but I've often heard the excuse of, oh, I have a headache. And yeah. Okay. Yeah. Don't use headaches as an excuse. If you really have a headache, have sex because it will get rid of it. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> but yeah, all those extras can definitely get in the way. I've, I've found that I've started removing myself from screens and from social media and the life outside of our walls at least an hour before bedtime. Uh, and yes, there are those nights or days where just kids don't use kids as an excuse either. I have five kids. Jane has six. If we can do it, you can do it. Um, but the point, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. I've, I've been removing myself from all the external influences and then trying to journal for an hour before bed. So everything that's on my mind goes into my journal. And as I already mentioned, like my husband and I communicate about everything. So we don't, it's a rare, it's, it's been four times in seven years that we fought. So it's rare that anything would go into the bedroom or into the bed. That's frustrating me about him, but giving me that time to unload and download at the end of the day and not have all the external blah you know, I can't describe it any better than that, but it just external blah definitely helps. 
Right. That's completely true. And um, the practice that you're describing, Kim, is such a beautiful practice. And um, that that removing of all of those external pieces, the external blah pieces from the bedroom and, you know, and the, the screens and the little blue lights and all of the other influences that come in on us um, from the outside world and um, creating a, a place where you both want to be, which just may not necessarily actually that that's um, you're kind of describing a sex nest, which I is one of the ways that people like to be together sexually. That's beautiful. And, you know, a lot of us love that. There are other people who really like uh, I call them the risky business people. So some people just, you know, that the sex nest doesn't turn them on. They want to be in the garage in the minivan <laughs> or they want to be someplace risky like that. There's an environmental cue that is different. So starting to know, you know who you are and like, is it the end of the day when you can get erotically connected or is it, are you more of a uh, lunch, sex lunch kind of person? You want to meet for lunch um, and, you know, spend time together when the kids are at school or daycare during the day because you're both awake and it's light out and you love that you know there's but there's so much knowing you can have here about like what kind of environment that's one of the pieces for me is that like I use the word bedroom as an acronym and E is environment and like what kinds of environments you know turn you on what kinds turn you off like so many people have like laundry in the bedroom and that's not a turn on having all your laundry to, to uh, dirty laundry, say, that's not a turn on in your master bedroom and you, where you sleep. How do you fix that so that you can have a great sex life, even um, in the middle of family and even in the middle of too busy, right? We're all, who isn't too busy? Everybody's too busy. I've never met somebody who said, you know, I actually, or I seldom, I guess occasionally I do, but you know, I don't actually have anything at all going on. You know, I'm pretty much open for, you know, <laughs> forever, nothing to do. Most of us have got a lot going on, right? Oh yeah. But as you said before, you can, you can have the three minute quickie or you can have the four hour wow session. I mean, the two hour or the two minute quickie can still be wow, but yeah, there's still time. You bet. Absolutely. And, and that, that's the cool thing. That's the other thing I totally love about when we get kind of like disconnect from what we think Hollywood or whatever has said about sex. It doesn't have to be a certain way. We can have just like an experience where I just pleasure my husband and he gets to just receive or he pleasures me and I just get to receive. There's no playbook to this thing. This is between you and your partner. You know, you get to decide how it looks and how it feels. And there doesn't have to be like a script, right? You do this, he does this, you do this, you do this, done. That doesn't, you can let go of that and just play, just have erotic play that doesn't necessarily include what we would have called sex. Because that just like makes it way, way more fun if it's not always exactly the same, you know? Oh, yeah. I'm biting my tongue over here in the interest of time just so we can, uh, just so we can get to your seven, your seven steps. But yeah, we have the nest, but it's been a lot more than that. But that's all I will say about that. <laughs> I believe that. I love that about you. <laughs> yes, you betcha. Yeah, Me too. Because my mom's. Right? Yeah, creativity. I know that my moms and my sisters could very well be listening. Hi, guys. 
<laughs> uh-huh. Love you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. So I would love to hear more about the, 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 you said seven tips. I'm sorry. I'm, I got distracted by sex. So <laughs> and yeah. where can, well, yeah, seven yeah. barriers. Seven barriers. So, yeah. And it's using the acronym bedroom. Um, so, yeah, there's seven different places where we can actually find either ways to juice up our sex life or barriers to our sex life. Oh, awesome. And can listeners get this from you? You bet. So, yes, um, I am offering to our listeners and I would just love, love it if everybody listening would um, take advantage of this offer. It's the full book. It's a Amazon number one bestseller, Too Busy to Get Busy. You could go on Amazon and buy it there, which would certainly be fine. Or if you'd like, I'll give it to you um, as a download uh, uh, by, um, and, and Kim, you're going to put the link in the, the show notes, right? Yeah, it will be in the show notes. And that is at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP198. I think I have the number right. Yep, that's right. But I'll tell you what, the, it's a textable number. So the, the, you're going to text your name and your email to 541-444-0112. So I'll repeat that. So text your name and your email to 541-444-0112. And if you're not in the U.S. or you don't text, you can go to my website, janegwin.com, and it's spelled G-U-Y-N, janegwin.com, and there you'll find uh, a link, and you can download the book there. So you get the whole book. It's got exercises. Uh, it goes through the entire seven-step process. Um, it tells all about the bedroom acronym, and you can, you know, like do all the fun things there and, you know, totally juice up your own sex life. Jane, thank you so much. And again, listeners, I just... I don't know why I couldn't see it staring at me straight on the screen, but it was, it is thekimsutton.com forward slash PP198. So you can get the text number there if you're driving or on the elliptical or whatever. Jane, where else can listeners find you online if they'd like to connect? I'm uh, Dr. Jane Gwynn on Facebook. So Dr. Jane Gwynn on Facebook is the best place to find me or on uh, Instagram. I'm queen of happy endings. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. I know I, that's how I introduced you, but that's such a great title. Jane, thank you so Thanks. much for joining us today. This has been an absolute pleasure. I feel sort of naughty <laughs> saying that, but seriously, <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure having you here with us today. Do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can offer to listeners? Absolutely. So my parting piece of advice is no matter how long you've been together or how great your sex life is, learn how to kiss even better than you know how today. Don't make any assumptions that your partner likes the way your kissing has been going. Get into an exploratory mode with your partner and figure out the absolute best way to kiss him or her and, you know, try out lots of different tips and uh, ways to do that. Try um, licking and 
sucking the lips and just ask, you know, get curious, ask your partner what he or she likes. Um, and you will find that your sex life and your erotic connection will go through the roof when you know how to kiss really, really well. Mm-hmm. 